0: Welcome back to Firewall. I'm your host, Bradley Tusk. It is a Tuesday episode, so with us is our friend and producer, Hugo Lindgren. Hugo, how are you
1: doing? It's Tuesday, July 4th, Bradley. It's, it's, it's an exciting Tuesday. Yeah, we're going to set Tuesday. off fireworks in the studio. Are you going end, to see the fireworks episode. tomorrow?
0: I don't think so. Really? Uh, I feel like I've seen them a lot, uh-huh. and I feel like... You're met on fireworks? No, I like fireworks, but I feel like the technology is moving too slowly. Uh, interesting. Like It seems to me by now... They ought to be able to like light up spell the word Hugo in the sky very clearly. They can't do that? I don't think so. Like I feel like they should be able to like firework really technology to me. Right, has like not really advanced at the pace with like AI and right autonomous vehicle technology and drones and
1: things like that. I really feel like wh- whoever's on the fireworks side of this like needs to get their shit together. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because it's always like that same family, right? does all the so, like, no, But then they,
0: he went to Congress for a while, remember? Felix oh, really? He was, yeah, it
1: was in Congress. I'm not sure
0: what happened to him now, but I think he's gone. But, but they're um, probably making
1: a shit ton of money though. On fireworks? Yeah. I mean, they just have like a monopoly Do in they? this area. Do you ever see fireworks by anyone else? I mean,
0: I don't really like going into a long discussion with the proprietor to be like what what vendor
1: did you use what was your experience with them what's their (laughs) NPS okay Bradley so I had this idea I was walking down here it's totally deserted in New York City today like crazy like you cannot believe it's Monday so I was walking down even even the Bowery wasn't filled with like you know drug addicts today that's how even they got out of town or maybe they're sleeping it off who knows what they're doing but so I was thinking about this I was like so how do we make this podcast more popular right yeah. So this is just a, a basic idea, but I was thinking we should apply it to you or like talk about applying it to you. Okay. So like the one way the podcast get popular is they take an extreme opinion that the host has and they kind of build like the whole thing around it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then and then these niche audiences really glom onto it because they're desperate for this kind of mainstream voice for their for their extreme for their Yeah, you know, It's like yeah. the whole Robert F. Kennedy like candidacy is partially that, you know, he's going on podcasts and he's saying crazy stuff about HIV and about anti-vax and all that stuff. Yeah. So I was curious if we were doing this like authentically, what is the most extreme opinion you have that differs the most from people in your milieu? Well,
0: I mean, I think, and I, we talked about this last week on the episode and I wrote a medium piece about it since then, the drug legalization yeah i mean i the the piece that i wrote specifically was to say that the only way to get rid of fentanyl as a product used in drugs is to legalize drugs right um but generally speaking i would say one this is going to end up being the career the episode that sinks my career um one (laughs) i I would uh legalize drugs i think the war on drugs is a total failure i think we spent an incredible amount of money and resources on a failed criminal justice system that could be done a lot better so that's one two generally close to open borders right like i'm not sure i would have just literally like just uh you know some balloons and you're kind of walking underneath but radically expanded
1: immigration okay um three those are two very textbook libertarian views three would be
0: though it's way too late for this but if i were starting over no guns Like nobody needs to own a gun for anything.
1: Wow. So that's anti-libertarian. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, I just don't see why we have legalized that. And how would you roll that back starting now? You can't. You can't. You can't. Um, You would just try to ban um, assault weapons weapons and put more money into mental health treatment and whatever else. Um, So those are three pretty big ones. Um, Public sector unions, I have my issues with. But you can't outlaw them or anything, right? Well, what you could do is what Scott Walker did in Wisconsin, which is you no longer automatically either make employees of a particular agency be a member of that union. And if they are a member of that union, money is not automatically deducted from their paycheck every two weeks for the political fund of the union, right? Okay. But the problem is you're a teacher money comes out of your paycheck every two weeks, not just to go to the teachers union, but to their political fund. They then use that money for campaign contributions, get out the vote, things like that, which means if you're a politician and all you're trying to do is get reelected, which is we've established is what they're all trying to do, um, you're very unlikely to fuck with someone who has a built-in taxpayer-funded political fund every two weeks that right. they get paid by. So, they show up to
1: play every day. Yeah,
0: so I think public sector unions for me um, – is is another one that's an issue so that that's four raft right top of my my head uh i'm sure we could find 10 more that will offend people too
1: <laughs> um okay i we're gonna put those into the mix and see what kind of extreme podcasts we can make out of that okay not that we'll do it well maybe we are doing it
0: maybe we are right now so if if you uh you know what about you don't like guns, do anything on ufos like drugs like immigrants and don't like public sector unions this might be the podcast for you. What about UFOs? So, look, with UFOs, I am willing to fully accept that we are certainly not the only intelligent life force. But you don't
1: think we have hangars full of like debris and like captured spaceships or whatever?
0: You know, may- maybe It'd be we really do. Cool if we but did. like, but for all we know, there are alien life forces among us right now in this podcast through that we just can't <laughs> see or feel or whatever else. For all we know, we're the <laughs> dream of someone, some other and being right and we don't even really exist it's all like saint elsewhere or something
1: like so that was really for you hugo if you if you can't get the saint elsewhere reference but saint elsewhere was this thing about about the the show about the hospital
0: yeah but the kid at the end was autistic and it was all on his head oh really i didn't see the last episode i didn't I mean, even really like all episode.
1: that at work you put in
0: for saint all Elsewhere. those years yeah well
1: i didn't i didn't really put in any work i don't,
0: I don't believe that right now i think that's just <laughs> we're facing this history okay
1: so um we're gonna we're gonna seg into um, things that are happening right this second. Which so that's it with the whole extreme positions. Well, thing? no, no, we can we can keep going with it, but it, we can maybe apply it to like some okay. of the stuff that's happening in the news right now. Sure. So the the um, last week, two big Supreme Court decisions. Yeah. One throwing out affirmative action in college admissions. Yeah. And two, uh, invalidating uh, Biden's student debt forgiveness. Two punches right to the gut of liberal, sort of the liberal agenda. Um, first of all, just give me your reaction to one or both of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I, I didn't read the opinions so or, or the briefs. Um, so this is really me. Do you different. typically do that? No, not typically. Okay. I will occasionally if there's not like the docs I read. Um, but um, off top of my head, from a public policy <clears throat> standpoint, I would continue to allow race based affirmative action in schools okay um and while i don't know that it's bad for the government to try to forgive people student loans um i am not surprised that the constitutional authority to do what biden did doesn't actually exist that doesn't knowing the appropriations process and everything else Mm -hmm. the court's decision didn't surprise me and it's probably the correct decision so from a policy standpoint you know that's my initial read on it um here's my question on the affirmative action so um As you can imagine, the little bubble that we live in here, you know, everyone's very worked up about it one way or the other because everyone has strong opinions on this issue and everyone, meaning the little bubble we live in, kind of comes from the elites and therefore like, oh, how will this change? Who gets into Yale is like a big topic of conversation, (laughs) right? right. And the reality is, and I know we're going to get a guest on and talk about this more, like this is a red We're herring Howard on yeah. Wilson, yeah. yeah this is a red herring because like at the end of the day like harvard's admissions policies don't really matter that much they affect a relatively small number of people however you're looking at it and it seems to me the questions we should be asking are not like you know how do we change the composition of the 2000 people at dartmouth and it's <laughs> it's really about um are we even preparing people for careers in the right way right like should we be doing these four-year liberal arts degrees or should it be much more vocational-based? Should school be two years and based on learning one or two specific skill sets, should we have such a robust liberal arts system? Should it all be taxpayer-funded? Should we have physical schools or should we really try to move as much of it as possible online simply because the cost of higher education is just not sustainable? Uh, It seems to me that there are really big questions in education That we should be asking where we have a preponderance of people who are graduating high school, not really college ready, um, not necessarily capable of then sort of filling the roles that are open in the economy. And, you know, if the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, we just keep doing the same educational system basically over and over again. And then we're surprised when we don't have the workforce that we need. So um, the court's decision, while I don't agree with it, in affirmative action to me is sort of a little besides the point. Um, And I think so. Let's let's let's
1: let's let's lean into that. So um, let's say some gigantic funder, let's say Warren Buffett, comes to you and says, "I'm going to give you 250 million dollars to start dismantling this higher ed con job." where do you what do you start to do what are the
0: what are the What are the? you know there's some different ways to do it so like we looked at a, a startup called campus uh recently that i thought was fantastic um, we didn't quite get there uh, on the investment but um it is a new form of an online community college where they are getting um a higher ranking capable professors because the adjunct professing world, professor world is so difficult to survive on that there are people who are eager to be able to do more, especially if it's online and don't have to drive two hours um, some way. And the thesis is, could you rebuild a community college education um, in a much more efficient, effective way? And
1: it's all online, their, their model? It's
0: all online. They, they own one physical school, which is how they got their accreditation, accreditation in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's there's that, right? Or for-profit schools that are under attack constantly because they're getting all this Title IV money and they're not necessarily training students for the proper jobs. But the notion of we just have tons of unfilled jobs in uh, hospitality or nursing or mechanics or all of these things like we have a workforce that can't meet the needs of the economy and have an education system that that doesn't produce the right kind of workforce and so um i i just think that you know even if the fun topic for the little succession bubble that we live in is like whether or not so-and-so's kid is now more like again to williams
1: like the the truth is like that's not the point here and where does the debt forgiveness where does that overlap Where, where what what do these decisions have to do with each other in your mind if if anything I mean, it, it, there's, there's the I, to me, they come together in, 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 to a degree to what you're saying, which is they suggest a kind of misapplied priority. Well, right? well the, like, the debt forgiveness
0: is a real problem facing millions of students right now who took out all of this debt to pursue degrees that may not even be all that particularly helpful to them in their actual. Um, careers, but I think the distinction is, look, race-based affirmative action has been a topic since we were kids, right? And it's just sort of going to go back and forth on the constitutionality of it and the the policy of it. The student loans, from what I can tell, was just Biden looking to do something very, very politically popular with, you know, somewhat dubious legal authority to do it. He did it anyway. Uh, I don't blame him for just doing stuff. It's generally a good thing to do. Um, But the court you know, rightfully said, you don't have. It's kind of like, you know, Section 230, we talk on this podcast all the time. The court did not rule in favor of the plaintiffs against Google or Twitter in those cases. You know, we are very strong advocates here for striking down Section 230. I would love to see the courts do, court do it. But in reality, the court's job is to say, is this particular law constitutional or not? Right. And if the law is constitutional, but it doesn't matter, the court doesn't agree with it.
1: Well, I actually have a question on 230 and how it would affect your like investment strategy. So if 230 was struck down, are there companies you'd be more interested in because it would open up opportunities? I mean, and- I, th- I think anyone who right now
0: arguably has some sort of competitive product to Meta, Twitter, Amazon... Google, like for example, Nick Thompson, who runs the CEO of the Atlantic was on, if you remember a couple of months ago, yeah. and he was Thompson about, was it Narwhal Was that what it was called? Narwhal. Yeah. Narwhal, um, oh, yeah. which is like an alternative platform. He was building Twitter that was sort of positive content. Right. right. Uh, well, For as long as Section 230 exists, I think it's going to be hard to find product market fit for a positive only Twitter because human nature is just the opposite if Section 230 were revoked and all of a sudden Twitter were liable for the content of its users, then all of a sudden the normal wall might become a more viable business
1: proposition. Right. Um, we, you wanted to talk about uh, voter turnout today. The the um, the primaries were held for New York City Yeah,
0: five, 5% turnout. 5% turnout. 5% turnout. So nice. we're talking about in a city of 8.5 million people, there were people elected to the city council with three, 4,000 votes. Right.
1: Well, was he also incredible? Was on the Republican line. Now I realize those are super long shot candidates. But there were some people who won races with like 100 votes. Yeah, that's so, why that's
0: why we're running as a Republican. Here you
1: that, Well, that's what I want to ask you. So, so you look at these neighborhoods now. First of all, I don't know what percentage it was, but virtually, I mean, most incumbents were running unopposed anyway. Correct. So it was it was like this total phantom like primary. I mean, right.
0: Like, but you did, you did have a handful of competitive primaries. Turnout was was really really tiny. You had two at least what were believed to be competitive DA primaries, although neither of them proved to be particularly competitive. Um, but look, it just gets back to the point of this. Like the city council may most of the day do ridiculous stuff that feels like a waste of time, but oftentimes our day-to-day lives, the, 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 the government that affects us the most is the government that deals with the streets, the running water, the schools, the subways, the parks, the crime. That's, that's city government, right? And the city council is an integral piece of city government. And if only a couple of thousand people are showing up to vote in their election, the fuck do you think is going to happen when it turns out that they then do all kinds of super crazy left-wing stuff or whatever it is. Like they're only answerable to a couple of thousand people who tend to be the most out there people. Cause they're the only ones who, who to their credit, bother to show up. Um, if you don't like the direction New York city is taking in terms of, uh, crime, in terms of quality of life, in terms of homelessness, in terms of our schools, in terms of affordable housing, and so many other things, um, the only way to change it is to change the people who run it. City government is a pure reflection of the people in charge. And when we're down to less than 5% turnout for city council primaries, we've effectively said we don't care and we are outsourcing this decision making to other people. Um, And if you don't want bad decision making or if you want to have a way to participate in the system until we do mobile voting, it's not going to change.
1: So just as a thought exercise, we were going back and forth on, on on text about what it would take to get somebody elected. So I said, if I was willing to move to any neighborhood in New York City, yeah. could you get me the 5,000 votes I need to get to win my Democratic primary and get elected to the city council? Yeah, we need a lot of money. Okay, right? like, give me a ballpark on that. What's a lot?
0: At least half a million dollars. Half a million dollars, okay. Because what we'd have to do is pick a super, super, super lurking out election. You know, we'd have to get you registered in the right district. Right, to have, to stuff, have to move there. to move there. Actually, you just have to rent an apartment there. Oh, I really? looked at this once long, long Not time. Not for, your, for yourself or just? For Ed Koch, when I was looking at potentially just trying to scare Shelly Silver by having Koch rent an apartment in Silver's district. <laughs> Just a with him. Bradley
1: this didn't this didn't make the fixer this is a good little Bradley story yeah um, so this was like what well, 2000
0: no this was like 2010 oh my god um, when did Koch die like 2015 or something yeah, a little before that maybe yeah, yeah. but um, so anyway the, the rules are pretty loose but or at least they were
1: so you <laughs> went to and you know. Ed and you were like Ed let's do it and he we was, were was like, no and I were already doing this thing called um,
0: New York Uprising was that what it was called and it was a Basically, we put out a pledge for reform, for campaign finance, for budgetary and ethics. And we got ev- most candidates who were running for re-election to state legislature or Congress, whatever it is, to sign it. Because if they were willing to sign it, they could be called a hero of reform and use our logo and whatever on their you know, website. And if not, we deemed them an enemy of reform. And we announced <laughs> them as an enemy of reform. This is um, old
1: school, Bradley, straight the, um, up, have fun with politics. And the
0: newspapers, the Daily News especially, really love to run with it. So I started freaking politicians out. And then um, Silver wouldn't sign it uh, because he was proud of his corruption. Right. Right? <laughs> um, and God bless him. one idea we had was, you know, look, if we just leak that contract read our Department of the District, is thinking about primarying, Shelley. Um, that would scare the living fuck out of him. And I think maybe he did sign it, but typical Shelly Silver fashion, signed it and then turned around and gave us the finger okay. and did nothing.
1: Okay, so all I got to do is rent an apartment. Although if I do spend some time there, I'm probably going to help. You're going to have to and then you're going to have to find a
0: neighborhood where people don't find the sight of you um, offensive and displeasing.
1: <laughs> so that we've to find one, right? So my own neighborhood, so I think I don't. don't I'm not considered offensive. Extra and displeasing. turnout
0: against you. Right. What and about
1: what about my own neighborhood, like Greenwich Village proper? Is it- I bet turnout's a little better there. Right, but I think that
0: look when Chuck Schumer was like 22, he graduated law school, and rather than going to some big law firm, he ran for state assembly. And the reason he won was he knocked on every fucking door in the district over and over again, and they hadn't heard from the actual right. incumbent for decades. And but that just won. still works, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that, that, that's that kind I, of stuff. I think, I think it would be a combination of that combined with um, it's just as much grassroots as we could to just manufacture voters, you know, find groups of voters that we could pull out to the polls um, and hope that turnout is so low that whatever we manufacture and all the doors that you knocked on is, is efficient. Right
1: but you actually thought this was a bad idea even if I won. Well, let's say you were to win. Right. Um. Once in a blue moon, would I have to give up the podcast? Would I have to not be able to come on and do this with no, you? Never would you thought. have me on still? I would have you on, but I would have to ask you really a lot of hard questions Just about this trash in your somewhere.
0: neighborhood and that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so um,
1: sidewalk sheds, things like that. <laughs> um, so oh, I'm I, becoming anti shed. Are you? Yeah, I think Why so. Why is that? Because they, they, I mean, where they're where they're nice, they work, but like there are too many shitty ones. You know, if I told you. I'm giving you the magic wand.
0: You can get rid of the sheds or all the scaffolding.
1: Oh, well I definitely I think the scaffolding is a, is, a, is an absolute scam. So I would I would I would get rid of the scaffolding because I think people are just like milking the the totally. the, the So scaffolding goes one, sheds go two. And I'm I mean look get- at that shed across the street. Like what is that? No, it doesn't look great. It's just
0: graffiti everywhere. I mean graffiti can look good, but I don't know if that's that, graffiti Yeah, it looks good. And then all right, I'll give you a third beautification. Okay. Thing. What do you want to do? Oh wait! I get another one. Yeah, like
1: you can get rid of the scaffolding. You can get rid of the sheds. I mean, like a sidewalk thing. You want like it a? Could be. I, I it mean, what? What if I just became Mister Tree and I just got as many street trees planted as possible?
0: Yeah, yeah. You could do that. The challenge having worked at
1: the park. Yeah, no. This is about this is, is, is right up your street. It's um, it's a great thing to do. It is
0: challenging because trees, as you, I think you're aware, have roots that grow underground. <laughs> and yeah, under, i didn't know that under orchard street we right. have sewage lines pipelines subway lines water lines like just like finding grit, the dirt to put pa- them in, yeah, yeah like finding actually having enough room for the trees to sort of put their roots down um works in some parts of the city much better than others but up, up manhattan which is just so laden with right structure infrastructure, yeah. it's it's hard to do
1: um Bradley, I want to give you a chance to pitch your, um, I, I, I think, awesome idea that we didn't get to. Um, uh, we didn't get to uh, last week. The Havana Gila is becoming like a popular oh, yeah. like song that's played like out and about, and you were loving that idea that it was. Well, I, and, so, so we, it- we've been having we meaning Lyle uh,
0: and I have been talking about this concept for a long time of a bar. Uh, you know, Upper West Siding is a good place for it. Called Bar Mitzvah. And it would be like Tony and Tina's wedding, but just a permanent bar mitzvah every single night. And you can sign up and it can be your Hugo's fake bar mitzvah. And, you know, we can have the Hora and the candle lighting ceremony and a video montage and all of this stuff. And either you could say, I'm renting the whole place out, or it's also open to the public. You could just go to someone else's bar mitzvah. You could potentially, if, if you're up for it, go to someone else's bar mitzvah. La, your hand is raised. Yes. We've been talking about this concept for years. You don't remember? No. You have no recollection of this. It, I think
1: you're supposed to be the creative director since you've recently had a bummer. So.
0: Remember who's, who's the DJ that had... DJ Key, was that what it was, who had the, the Havana Gila that we liked? I don't know. Yeah, you know. You're just pretending you're too cool now. Oh uh, so uh, that's such a good idea. I'm amazed you know, someone you hasn't done should it. Should
1: trademark it or
0: copyright yeah, it? Yeah, here, here's the problem. This, happen. this happens to me a decent amount, which is, I'll think of some idea, and I'm like, oh, that could probably as a business work and make some money. But then it's like, and I gotta run a bar. Like I don't want to run a bar. No, no. Well, you don't have to run it. Well, but like building any successful new business requires you doing a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. I right. have learned that over yes, the it's, years. It's, so, it's, it's um so, but I do think that there's an empire out there, at least in you know cities with big jewish populations um but i also think maybe like do you want to duke like would it would would a bar on the duke campus called bar mitzvah work you know the south
1: bar mitzvahs it's not exactly yeah, i mean it's heavy it, jewish population at duke i wouldn't say heavy but like i think you'd have I, I i think it's a tony tina's wedding like thing like a big upper west side thing i, I don't think. do you need to put it all over the place I like. I well, like. If you
0: want scale, and you want to make any money. Yes.
1: I think you, you need, just do change. the. I think you do that all on the on the metaverse, so people can like go and you know walk through it in their own home and their with their goggles on, and and don't worry about the like putting it in every every neighborhood. That's what I would do. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it would only be fun. Well, stuff's got to happen in the metaverse. I mean, someone's got to be on there. I think the other key is that like every now and then you have some super good band playing, like Duran Duran, just like.
0: Playing someone's bar
1: mitzvah. No, well, just showing up at the place, being like, oh, my God, tonight. Oh, right. physically. Yeah. And now we're out of the metaverse and we're back to real life again. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be tough to book Duran Duran right, to play oh, your part on 88th in Amsterdam or whatever <laughs> it is. Um. Okay, Bradley. so we have a couple other things. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Corey wanted us to talk about or suggested we talk about the, uh, the piece about uh, Against Travel, the essay in The New Yorker, which was basically – just like a, a, a very sort of pessimistic and negative view of like what yeah. people do so when they I, actually travel I, places. I, I think there's like a real flaw in that argument. Okay, let's hear um, it. Who's, who's the writer? Agnes, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. It's a course in here. Who's your, who's your person here? It's, it was so antithetical to how I view the world. I tried to put it out of my mind as fast as possible. But you suggest so we not, talk about it. I don't know her last name. It's I mean, Agnes I, Killard. I don't think so she I, has one. She doesn't have one. It's <laughs> Agnes. Um, he,
0: here's, here's where I guess I would disagree with Agnes. And look, it is totally possible that Agnes and other people... She teaches
1: at the University of Chicago, by the way. Philosophy professor. Not shocking.
0: Um, totally possible that Agnes and others truly have just bad experiences traveling and they shouldn't do it. And I, I get that. Um, seems to me, though, there's... The upside of travel, is, it's sort of a three-part thing, right? Okay. Which is... You have the anticipation of choosing to go somewhere, planning it, you know, all where we're gonna to go to dinner, or what are we gonna go see? Oh, I have friends near there, let's try to visit them, whatever it is. Then you have the experience itself, which I agree with Agnes can sometimes be overrated, sometimes maybe even because you're putting too much pressure on yourself based on all the planning you did. And then you have the memories of it, right? So if there are fond memories, you have the time that you spent enjoying putting it together, the time you spent stressed out doing it um, or maybe enjoying it, and then the time afterwards where you do fondly hopefully re- remember it. So I don't know, man. I think I think travel has a lot to it, um, and it is, it is really expensive. I definitely would agree um, with that. But I don't know. I mean, to, I think it partly just depends on your personality, right? Like I, if you like change, then I think travel becomes something – that is really important to you because you just want to see different, the way the world works in different ways all the time. If you like things pretty steady in the way they are, look, there are people who don't leave their hometown of whatever, because that's all they ever want. Right. I would be bored out of my fucking mind, but, um, I don't know. Would you, uh, would you eliminate travel from your life?
1: No, not at all. But I, I, I think it, I think she raises some good, like, uh, sort of criticisms of just the sort of habits and routines that are actually kind of deadening and that a lot of people do um well just like sort of going to like the museum in whatever town you're going to and traipsing through there like you know like that's like doing something you know as opposed to like well, isn't it doing something Sort of. I, I, I just, You just don't get the sense. I mean, whatever. It's, well, hold on. But it, getting, it feels like an obligation or a responsibility I mean, for a lot of people. Sure, not like something but at the same time, are right, they don't go to museums mean, in their own town, but they'll like, right. you know, spend four. Yeah.
0: Don't. Okay. Look. Don't. Don't go if you don't want to go. But I would say. <laughs> totally. You're going, and you're probably going with somebody. So it's an experience with someone who you chose to travel with. Right. Right. You are hopefully seeing. My goals when I go to a museum are pretty limited, which is. I don't need to like all or even a majority of the stuff that I see. I want to see a couple of pieces of art in whatever form and medium it takes that speak to me, that resonate with me. Right. And the truth is um, if there's two or three in a museum that, that really resonate with me, the rest can be total shit. And I don't
1: care. Oh, I, I think that's so, the, I am exactly the but, same. But way. if
0: that's the case, so now I've been fulfilled and I have spent time with someone I like and um, how is that possibly a, a
1: worthless experience? No, no, I, I, well, it's not a worthless experience to you, so it doesn't you know um, I, I don't think I don't think she's critiquing your particular way of going about it. She's saying here's what I observe a lot of people doing.
0: right, but I'm saying I think that even in the moment of the harried stress where they feel like they're just trying to like be able to claim that they laid eyes on the Mona Lisa or whatever right. it is, that in, in retrospect, most That's of the more time, meaningful, it's more meaningful. Now, with that said, I often, um, they're like the MoMA, right? I, I mean, I like a lot of work in the MoMA. I almost never, ever, ever go to the MoMA because it's unpleasant. It is too crowded uh, and it is not really worth it to me. So there are definitely tourist like experiences that I don't want to do. But look, in New York, am I going to on a Saturday schlep up to 53rd and 6th, which is like the worst part of the city? to fight with a million tourists to look at the same van Gogh I've seen a hundred times. No, but what I do the same thing in
1: Amsterdam. Yeah. All right. You know, it's really funny. I was at that moment the other day, you know, they have this exhibit about New York city that I hadn't heard one, anything no. about. It's about sort of new projects, exciting new projects in the city. Like a lot of them are sort of ecological and other things. And it's funny. It's like, it, it was, was it a good show? It, it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it, there were definitely some interesting projects and ideas in there. Um, but they were also relatively small. Like they, like they, they felt like you felt like oh, New York City. Like they would be some much bigger sort of ideas. Like Buckminster Fuller kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly more sixties kind of like we're going to change the whole world as opposed to like we're going to make this block really. You know what nice. I always
0: wanted? I, I couldn't convince to them to do it. You know the panorama at the Queens Museum. Yeah, yeah. I always thought it'd be cool for Mike to pay to upgrade, modernize it didn't they not they didn't they modernize it like in there, maybe at one point but it's not current like there's no high line on there right like right Roosevelt Island Tech campus or whatever right um whether it's to build a new one or just to update it it would be cool because the it's amazing but the city is a, a lot different and more advanced than from when it's they funny I it. I've seen I haven't seen that in years but I'd like to go out and see it I, it's like, really cool I mean all you got to actually really just do is the next time that you go to a Mets game You just go a little early. It's only like a 15-minute walk from the museum into the ballpark.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: it's right there. Um, So, um,
1: yeah. That's a good recommendation. Thank you. for your recommendation
0: of the week. Is that my recommendation? The the Queens panorama? But you can skip the Mets game. Um, You know, (laughs) Lyle and I went Saturday. They won. And they won. And we we were there for two hours and ten minutes in our seats. And that was actually pretty pretty great. Um, So, yeah. But overall... um, agreed that are you pro, are you pro tear it down tear what down the Mets of oh, the team yeah no because I don't really know how that gets you where do you want to go I'm I am pro trade whatever you can at the deadline that could generate any value and don't worry about your record this season so if you can get anything for Scherzer or Verlander or Robertson or Adovino or Raley or Marte or Canna or Fogel's back or even maybe McNeil uh, I, do would, it. I would consider doing those trades. Um, I'd be surprised if Buck walter is the manager next year, but I would rather pick someone in the off season and give them the keys to the franchise and let them make these decisions and just impetuously do it mid season.
1: All right, Bradley. See you next week. Have a happy July. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Bye.